Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Pride podcast we call From the Podium, where you get to hear directly from your Kansas City Chiefs. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com, Pete Sweeney. It was another training camp practice on Wednesday, and after it was over, Chiefs head coach Andy Reid, left tackle Eric Fisher, and team president Mark Donovan spoke to the media via Zoom conference call. So we'll hear from Reid and Fisher on this side. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll hear from Donovan. Right now, here's the Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid. So listen, as far as the injuries go... um it's kind of the same guys I mentioned to you the other day. Uh, Tyreek uh, did get some work today, so um, that's he's headed in the right direction as he did the other day. Other than that, it's the same guys. Uh, everybody's making progress, and it was good to have the guys out there that were out there working. Um, listen, I'm going to just put, put in my 10 cents uh, on the Jacob situation. Um, listen, I'm, I'm, I think you guys know I'm, I'm in a team. I'm in the uh, peace and uh, and people getting along and so uh, right or wrong we all need to we all need to join hands man here and and uh, make this world a place where we can go into each other's neighborhoods and be comfortable and um, that we appreciate life and how important it is how hard it is to create life something that really none of us are capable of doing uh, in a test tube so it's a uh, it's a precious thing, man. It's complicated and it's precious. And uh, we, we need to, at this time, we, everybody needs to come together and, and join hands, like I said, and, and, uh, and, and love each other for, for what we are and the privilege that we have in this short period of time that we're on earth, uh, as opposed to walking in fear, to walk with strength and pride and make this country uh, the greatest place ever, along with the world. We do that and we'll be a great example to the world. So, um, but my, my heart goes out to uh, Jacob and his family in, in that situation. Uh, I don't know the whole story, but I just, I, I hate seeing um, the, way things, the way things are going right now. And uh, we're better than that, absolutely better than that. And, and we can, uh, like I said, we, we respect each other and we're going to be in a great, great place. Anyways, uh, with that, time's yours. Let's go to Adam Teicher. Go ahead, Adam. <laughs> Hey Andy, how you doing today? Doing good, Adam. Good. Um, hey Andy, it certainly looks like that you all, despite the unusual circumstances, are getting a a lot of good work in at practice. I uh, just want to know if you feel that way, and whether you uh, how you feel about what you've been able to accomplish to this point in camp. Yeah, no, I, I listen. I, I'm proud of the guys and the way they're pushing through. They're doing it with a great attitude, um, and and so. Uh, we're getting better, and and um, and we got to keep we got to keep going with this and finish up uh, the camp strong because we have a great a great challenge our our first game and uh, and so with uh, with the Texans so we understand that and 
um, you know, we know how tough they are. So we're, we're preparing uh, for the season still. We're not preparing necessarily for a team right this minute as far as plays go. We're, uh, we're still doing our training camp plays and, and working through those. Let's go to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Coach, in light of uh, what you just mentioned there about the Jacob Blake situation, the Lions yesterday canceled practice and they held team meetings about it. I'm curious how much thought went into doing that on your end, and then did you have a team meeting with the players to discuss their feelings on that situation? Yeah, so, Herbie, one of the great advantages I've got here is I have a great locker room that communicates, and so I'm able to talk to the guys and get a feel with the guys. Um, there's obviously concern, and um, uh, but not to where – we felt like we, we needed to do that. We, we were able to go forward but um, on this. But we also understand where things need to go and, and where we all need to work. We all need to work forward on this. And, um, uh, again, I, I think with that, we're all, we're all, we're, 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 we've got great people in this country, and, and uh, we need to bring that part out in us as opposed to the negative and uh, get ourselves right. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Andy. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, um, to follow on Herbie's question, when the guys come to you about a certain situation that has occurred this summer, whether it's with Jacob or previously, just how do those conversations go with those players and just how valuable is it from your perspective to hear what players say they feel when a certain uh, incident occurs in our country? Yeah, I listen. I mean, that's what I do. Um, I, I try to do the same thing with my kids and, and people that I come in contact with. I mean, it's no different. I, I, I mean, you can learn from everybody. And, and so, um, and then there's concerns right now. And, and so um, they're being addressed um, uh, and, and things that, you know, change is always a little uncomfortable for people. In our business, we, we have a lot of change and it's constantly happening. And, and so, uh, but but you you gotta you gotta listen you gotta sit and make sure that uh, you know you keep open communication with it. So uh, and that's I'm lucky. Like I said, I'm lucky to have a locker room that does that and uh, and players that talk about it and guys that listen uh, to each other. And so and if we can just put color aside and enjoy each other's culture, man. We all come from different places. We're all wired a little different. If we can just bring it together, man, and enjoy each other's. Uh, what we're all about as opposed to taking the negative and let's throw that out the window and, uh, and get this thing right. You know. Go to Sam Nellinger. Go ahead, Sam. Hey Andy. Um, that's all really well said. I've got, uh, I guess kind of an off the wall football question for you though. Um, you, you've talked a lot. We've asked you a lot about, you know, sort of Patrick's experimentation on the field, you know, see what he can get away with and what he can't. I'm just, I don't know that I've ever heard you talk about the genesis of that. Like, I, I don't remember you saying that with Alex, for instance. I'm just wondering if that part of how you direct Patrick in practice to sort of let it fly, let's see what you can do is, is different than, than quarterbacks you've had in the past. No, I, listen, I did the same thing with Alex. I, I just said, hey, try it now. I mean, we're, we're going to ask a few different things of you. There are some things that even in Alex's long career that he had before he got here, uh, there might be some things that you haven't, you haven't tried before. And so let's see what you can get away with. And um, Alex was great with it. Um, I, I mentioned, I believe, during training camps, up, uh, you know, up at St. Joe, that I, I, when I first got here, I was asked about interceptions. And I, you know, I mean, that's, uh, 
there, there, there are ones where guys are working on it, and then there's ones where guys scramble around and they just they throw it up, a, a sloppy interception. So the other ones uh, you can judge and see that they're trying to uh, work and see what they can get away with with the play. I think that's so important. I, um, and, and Mike Holmgren, uh, if I got it from somebody, that's where I got it from. So, yeah. <laughs> We've got three more hands up. Let's go right down the line. We'll go with Darren first. Go ahead, Darren. Thank you very much, Coach. Uh, my question, because yeah. uh, I don't know if you specifically answered it, but uh, with the Detroit Lions canceling their practice, what was, if there were any conversations with you all as the defending Super Bowl champion, canceling uh, in regards to protesting? Because I think that carries a lot more weight than the Detroit Lions <laughs> doing it. And then secondly, with what took place with Brashad Breeland in the offseason, um, you know, the police, uh, as we continue to see shooting unarmed black men that are being shot by them, what have you and your coaches either set a time side or set a time conversation to have with your players, both black and white, in regards to interactions with the police? Yeah, so, Derek, we, we actually, I mean, you asked it at a time when we, we've been having meetings throughout training camp on it. And the league and the, and the union have done a nice job collectively of bringing uh, this issue um, and issues together. I think they've done a great job of, of, of teaching. And, um, and so that's where, that's where we're at right now. It's a matter of doing and, and getting this, getting this done and um, where people really respect each other. And um, I see it every day. I wish everybody could see this. I see it every day uh, of guys coming in and they respect each other. They respect each other's background. They're willing to listen. When we've had these joint meetings, uh, about this, about situations on racism. Everybody contributes, whether they're black or white, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, there, there's nothing holding back uh, the communication. And I think as long as we do that, I think the, the, we're, we're in no better hands than what we are with the young people in America right now because they understand change and they're, they're going to demand it. And, um, and so, listen, you uh, we keep working at it. We're, we're going to get this right. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's where we're at. Yeah. We'll go to our final two, Sarin, and then Herbie to finish it. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, Coach, uh, Mike Pinnell, uh, it's been announced he's suspended for the two games. Uh, first of all, can, can you uh, tell us how that process worked for you? Like, when do you become aware of that and start your planning? Like, I, I assume you knew far before we did, right? And so how long do you have to, to be working that in your mind? And then that's going to be two games, the first two games, without uh, two pretty important pieces to, uh, to that defense that came together in the second half. How much does this set you guys back being without Breland and Pinnell in those first two games? Yeah, so listen, they're good football players. So, uh, but you know how we, how we operate. So everybody has a chance to get in and compete. And we expect backups uh, – uh, you know, not to, uh, to be able to step in and, and play. And, um, and one thing Brett's done is he's brought all this competition here to, uh, for that reason. Uh, to, uh, so if something goes wrong, then you can fill it in and with a good football player. So that's where we're at. Um, and, and we'll keep working on it. As far as the suspensions go, when they let us know, I, I listen. <laughs> and, uh, and then they, it, it's, it's not as easy a process. They, they might let you know that something is going to potentially happen, and then they let us know when it does happen. So, Let's go to Herbie to close it. Go ahead, Herbie. And hey, Coach, I want to draw on your experience um, from coaching so many mega superstars over your career, from Brett Favre to T.O., Brian Dawkins. 
what is it about Patrick Mahomes' demeanor and, and his character that, that has him equipped to handle being the face of the franchise and even the new face of the NFL? Yeah, so I go all, I'll go back to Reggie White, uh, who is a phenomenal uh, Hall of Famer, right? So, um, and, and really, Brett Favre. These guys, uh, when I was young in the league, um, I, I just noticed that the, the great ones want you to give them one more thing to even be greater than they already are. And they're very humble that way. And they always, they always continue to learn. And that's, um, uh, that's the process in which Pat goes. And he wants you to coach him. I guess is maybe the best thing, Herbie, that I could say. And, and uh, any little thing that you can give him where his game can be better, he's willing to listen. And, and, uh, and then on top of that, like I mentioned the other day, for the young guys, the young kids out there that are coming up as quarterbacks, you look at him, you go, oh, he's natural. Well, no, he, he does have some natural ability, yes, but he works at it. He, he's not just complacent with where he's at. He's always working on his game. I mean, the hours that he spends – going over the plays when he's away from the building um, is, I mean, it's a tribute to the kid. He's completely dedicated to it. And I just think for, for young kids that are coming up, college kids, high school, uh, the, the youth leagues, that um, this guy goes about it the right way. And uh, it's, it's fun to watch, you know. That part. Hey, Fish, good to see you, man. Uh, I'm curious, two, I have two questions for you. First is just how did you spend your offseason after, you know, getting a chance to celebrate the Super Bowl and going into the virtual program? You know, how did you kind of stay in shape and get ready for the season? And then secondly, I know you got some time to go hunting and fishing during the offseason. How important is that to you, especially at a time like this, to be able to kind of, to kind of get away and enjoy some time like that? Yeah, uh, so – win the Super Bowl and celebrate that. And then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm from Michigan, so I go back up to Michigan uh, to where I live. And uh, it's kind of in the middle of the woods, secluded. And uh, I just spent my time up there. And then, um, you know, I have a full full gym in my uh, garage. And uh, so when the whole COVID thing happened, uh, you know, just spent a lot of time um, up there and uh, working out and staying in shape and um, doing my best to just process everything and, you know, um, be responsible and, you know, take my part in society of, uh, you know, everything that was going on and, uh, you know, protect my family at the same time. And, uh, and then, yeah, doing, uh, some hunting and fishing. I was on, on the lake a bunch, uh, fishing and, uh, just spending time, you know, kind of to myself and with my family and, uh, enjoying, enjoying what, uh, what society was presented. <laughs> Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hey, Eric. Uh, I'm sure you watched these guys on film before, but what's it like having Mike Rimmers with you along with Coletio Simile? What have you learned about those two guys and how are you trying to help them get prepared for this season to play alongside you? Yeah, it's cool. Uh, you know, this is the first time since I've been here that we've had like a super veteran line. So to have a bunch of eight, nine, ten, ten year guys, um, you know, it's kind of awesome to, you know, just see the knowledge that they've gained from other places. And, um, you know, Coach Heck does a great job of getting us all on the same page. And, um, you know, obviously, Brett Veach is doing a great job bringing guys in here, uh, you know, to get get the job done. And uh, so getting to know these guys, um, it's, it's been a fun process. Uh, you know, obviously different different scenarios uh, this year with, you know, just everything going on and adjusting to camp life. You know, for, for me, for seven years, camp was 
the same exact thing. And uh, so I thought we've, uh, I think we've been doing a great job uh, with the time allotted, uh, getting the work in and getting prepared for week one. Let's go to Mick Schaefer. Go ahead, Mick. Hey, Eric, just wondering how you're feeling and uh, how the concussion happened and if you've had any concussion issues uh, in the past. No, uh, yeah, over the years, I mean, I've been playing football a while now and uh, probably had a couple um, in the past, but, you know, it's not like a normal thing for me. Uh, just uh, routine rep and uh, sometimes you just get, get hit in the right right spot at the right time and, uh, you know, it happens. Um, but uh, you go through the protocol uh, to do what you're told and, um, you know, make sure you're honest with your symptoms. And, uh, you know, I did that and uh, was able to get eased back into it for a few days and uh, back swinging now. Let's go to Herbie. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Eric, good to see you as always. You mentioned having the veterans um, that Brett Veach bought in, and I'm curious because you didn't have the offseason to gel, but with so much, with, with, with such a uh, small window now before the start of the regular season, how advantageous is it to have those veterans to come in and kind of like be a plug-and-play type option? Yeah, I, I think the coolest thing is, like, you know, we got most of our guys back, and, I, you know, I think that gives us, you know, a step up on everybody, you know, just – you know, we win the Super Bowl and then we kind of jump right back into it, fill a few spots. And uh, I mean, the majority of this team has been in this offense for you know quite a few years. Um, so I, I'm pretty excited about that. But yeah, these guys coming in, they're, they're catching on. They're veteran guys. They've been in multiple systems. Um, and like I said, Coach X doing a great job just getting them up to speed. And, um, you know, the guys are bringing in, though, that they have natural chemistry. I mean, it's just, you know, you know, some you, you, there's either chemistry or there's not chemistry, and that's one of the nice things with Mike and Kalechi is like it's just like you know veteran guys who who know how to do it. They're pros, pros, and you know, and we're just rolling out there, so it's good stuff. All right, guys, we've got time for a couple more. We're going to go from the top, Sarin, and then Pete. Go ahead, Sarin. Uh, Eric, I know uh, you, you've been you know fortunate enough to have the continuity, of the same coach, right, the same O line coach, and everything. Uh, and they always talk about like when guys go down on the offensive line that hey. You know, we're ready to plug anybody. We, we talked to Mitchell Schwartz. He talked about taking a couple reps here and there, being able to move up and down the line. But two things. One, at left tackle, do you take any reps anywhere else? Or is that the one spot where you get to take all the reps uh, at your spot? And then uh, if you could just kind of break down what the challenges are. You, you had a couple of different left guards next year, uh, last year. Uh, what, 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 what the challenges are when a guy does come in and it is a, a change maybe mid-game? Yeah, yeah. Um... I guess to your first question, uh, I haven't taken a rep anywhere but left tackle for six years. Uh, so, you know, I'm getting that down pretty pat. And uh, and then what was the other questions? Um, yeah, when you, you look at my situation last year, you know, a midweek injury that needs surgery, I go down for eight games, uh, you know, plug Cam in there. That's just life on the offensive line. It's, it's – uh, we don't want it to happen, but it's definitely a possibility. And I mean, what we do in the trenches is, isn't easy, is, isn't, uh, you know, easy on the body. And, you know, sometimes stuff happens and um, got to keep moving forward. I mean, that's just kind of the way of life. Um, you can't, you know, dwell on things. You got to figure out the situation, make the best of the situation and keep on, keep on moving forward. Let's go to Pete Sweeney to close it out. Go ahead, Pete. Eric, I understand this is a, a general question, but uh, 
when you're going into year eight, what goals can can you set for yourself to make sure you're you're continuing to challenge yourself? Yeah, um, you know, I, with all this time in the offseason, I've had a chance to reflect on you know the growth I've had in my career, going from you know the first overall pick and then working my way to a Pro Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. Um, you know, obviously the All Pro tickets out there. Um, you know, so I think obviously the number one goal is get to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. Uh, but for as an individual, if I could, you know, find a way into another another Pro Bowl, another or to, to have my first All Pro year, um, you know, that'd be something special. It's something I'm working for. Um, and then just to keep building and being consistent, um, you know, staying on top of my stuff, you know, not getting complacent, not saying, okay, I've reached my potential. Um, you know, just just keep building on what I've been building on for eight years. Fish, we appreciate the time today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Brad. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard from Chiefs head coach Andy Reid and left tackle Eric Fisher, and now we continue on with team president Mark Donovan. Hey, Mark. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm well. Adam, how are you? Good. Thank you. A um, couple things, Mark. Um, what is it about Arrowhead or the Chiefs or Kansas City where the Chiefs felt comfortable selling tickets to the games where um, so many NFL teams and other pro sports teams haven't felt comfortable, at least to this point. And also at 22% of capacity, how many tickets is that exactly? Uh, let me take that backwards or forward. So uh, roughly 16,000 um, tickets out of, you know, 75 or so uh, that we typically would have. I think what makes us comfortable is our plan. And I, I'm late and I apologize for being late. Um, I was on a league call and we were talking about that and I was asked to present um, to the league on our plan and our success this past Saturday and our plan for Saturday and our plan for Thursday uh, for opening kickoff. And, you know, 
We are very confident in our plan. Um, we've said this numerous times and we'll say it again, and we will reiterate it, that our plan is only as good as compliance and the following of directions, following of the protocol for our staff, for our players, for our coaches, for our fans. Um, it's, it's critical that everybody follow the protocols. But if they do, we feel pretty confident that we can do this. We're not alone. We are definitely in the minority when you look across the league. I think there are five or six teams that are going to go with, uh, with tickets and fans in the stands for the first week. And then I know six to ten are contemplating after week two or three um, and then beyond. So um, we take the responsibility very seriously. We understand, and, and I said this on the call that I was on earlier, we understand that, you know, we've got to get this right. And we've got to be very diligent in our processes and our protocols in order to be successful, in order to have another game with fans. And we know that uh, other teams and other leagues are going to be looking at us. Um, I would also say we're not alone in sports, right? Um, last night, sporting here in Kansas City hosted fans successfully as far as I've heard, um, and other teams in other markets are hosting fans. So we're hopeful, uh, we're confident in the plan, and um, we appreciate all the support we've gotten from medical experts who helped us put that plan together. Let's go to Herbie T.O.P. Go ahead, Herbie. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for uh, taking a moment to chat with us. Um, you, you mentioned discipline for, for folks, but there's also that human element that you always have to consider concern yourself with. So what kind of system is in place to ensure that the people who are charged to ensure that the, the safety policies are being followed are actively identifying and correcting violations um, such as not wearing a mask when you're inside the stadium? Yeah, for those of you who are at the stadium, um, I hope you'll agree with this statement um, in talking with Dr. Archer about his, what he has heard about our event last Saturday. Um, you know, protocols were followed. I was very impressed with our fans and their ability and their compliance with putting on their mask as soon as they are approaching someone. You know, I was very impressed that parking in the tailgate area, they were wearing masks for the most part. Um, and, it, and this is not an excuse, and I want to be crystal clear on this. Uh, we have to do a lot more to your question to continue to communicate, to make people aware that it's really important, even in your seats, to wear your mask. But for all of us in Kansas City, I used this example with Dr. Sills from the NFL the other day, and he, he actually fed it back to me. It's the exact same situation in Nashville. If you think about our experience over the last few months, where we're going out to restaurants and we're actually interacting in public, we're going to schools. Um, you know, my experience this past weekend in the plaza going to a restaurant with my wife is very consistent with our experience across any sort of public interaction. As soon as we get out of the car, we put our mask on. And when we're traversing to the restaurant, we put our mask on. We see the hostess to get our seat where we have our mask on. We walk to our table, we have our mask on. We sit down at our table, we take our mask off. And we don't put it back on in between eating and drinking, right? So our normal process is that. And I think that's one of the things that came across on Saturday was, you know, I talked to a few of our season ticket members and I said, just, I need to enforce this. I need to reinforce the importance of wearing the mask in the stands. And the dad looked at me and said, Mark, I wore the mask everywhere you told me to. I'm sitting in a seat. There's no one within 10 feet of me. And I'm with my family who I sleep with and eat with and, and spend all my time with without, without a mask. I appreciate it, but it's 95 degrees and hot. I took my mask off for a minute. 
And I said, look, I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. But as we get more people in, as we're closer together, we have more interactions, more um, cross traffic, we all have to be disciplined. And, and that's really where we are. So to your question on enforcement, we'll have more people, we'll have more staff, we'll have more messaging. Well, you'll see some stuff this Saturday, which is very in your face um, signage. You know, we're going to walk up and down aisles with a little sign that says, hey, wear your mask, even if you're sitting. Um, so we got a lot to learn. We got a lot to work through. Um, and we need a lot of cooperation from our fans to make this successful. Let's go to Nate Taylor. Go ahead, Nate. Hello, Mark. Thanks for doing this again. I have two questions as well. Um, for FC, for Dallas FC's first game, the team made a decision to make a gesture during the national anthem. They received uh, booing from fans. I'm just wondering how that sort of situation uh, has an impact on the Chiefs if players want to make a similar gesture before, during, or after the national anthem. Um, and then secondly, to go to what you guys have done um, with indigenous people and trying to understand how to better position the organization in a correct manner. I think you mentioned earlier how a Purple Heart was sort of a denomination in terms of understanding the situation. Just what did you learn yourself from those communications? And then what would you try to express to fans who may also um, not follow that rule if they come to the games this season? Okay. Um, two very different angles on questions. So the first one, I would say we learned a lot from the FC Dallas situation. I think everyone across sports learned a lot from that situation. Um, and we take all that learning into what we're talking about here. Um, I think um, to your second question about uh, the American Indian um, and what I've learned, I'd say I've been a bit redundant on this, so I apologize, but we've been doing this for six and a half years. Um, this isn't a new issue for us. And I shared some personal stories of, you know, the first few meetings, Johnny Leonard reached out to me and said, can we have coffee? And he explained sort of, here's how this is viewed and here are some of the issues that we should be discussing. We set up a, a larger meeting with people and, and got into the depth of that. And, and I walked away from that first meeting, you know, a little bit embarrassed about my lack of knowledge and a little bit inspired about if you have the knowledge, it becomes pretty clear. Now, everybody's going to have opinions on all these issues, and I respect that. Um, but for me personally, you know, I, I didn't understand what a headdress or a war bonnet was. I didn't understand what it represented. And to have an American Indian explain the sacredness of that and how every single feather is earned and what it means in their community it's a pretty easy answer. Let's educate people. Let's share that story. Let's create awareness around that. And, you know, the, the great thing about our working group is that there was, there's good discussion about it. Well, how do we do that? And then how do we have set a realistic goal? And the realistic goal we had was if we can just explain this to a fan we see in the parking lot who's wearing a headdress, we feel confident we'd convert them into you know, you can face, you can paint your face, you can wear a crazy hat, you can wear a wig, you can wear a headband, you can wear jewelry, you can, you can create your own character, do all that, be a fan. But understand, you know, just throwing the headdress on because you bought it at a five and dime store and think it's cool, it's not. Let's go to Blair Kirkhoff. Go ahead, Blair. Hi, Mark. And, and just following up on that, um, the, um, 
you all, I guess last week when you announced the headdress and the face painting, you also said that uh, you were looking at uh, the arrowhead chop as well. I'm just wondering what, what goes into those discussions. Yeah, along the same lines um, of the discussion we had around headdress and war bonnet um, and face paint, just education. Um, again, redundant on the story, but you know, the drum came back to Arrowhead as part of trying to bring the traditions and honoring the traditions that were started in municipal. Um, you know, we've all seen, many of us have seen that black and white footage of cheerleaders banging the drum as the players came down the walkway through the stands in municipal. And we were trying to figure out ways that we could bring that back. Again, a little bit uh, embarrassed and inspired that we didn't realize the sacred position of the drum in the American Indian culture. Um, when that was explained to us, we went to them and said, okay, how do we make this work? What, what are our options? What are the things that we can do? And that's where we came up with the, they came up with the idea and shared with us the idea of blessing of the four directions, blessing the drum itself, acknowledging what it is and can creating, again, awareness and education. Um, so the drum has become a very big part of the Arrowhead experience. It's become a very big part of the opening of our games. Um, We've, we started to work and started some discussions about trying again to educate and make people aware of the sacred position of the drum in the American Indian culture, but also that it's, it's seen as sort of the heartbeat of that culture. And, you know, when you, when you hear things like that, it's easy to latch onto that and say, okay, it's kind of the heartbeat of the stadium too. And we can debate that, right? People can argue otherwise, but it is a way to unify our fans. It is a way to bring people together at that moment and other moments throughout the game. So how do we do that? And how do we do it in a respectful way? And that's what we're working on right now. I think one of the best things that has come out of this for us as an organization and the groups that we are working with is an understanding that it's going to take some time. This isn't overnight. This is, these aren't things that we're going to be able to successfully change one way or the other overnight. And we're going to continue to work on that. And that's the, that's the communication we had around the drum. Go to Darren Smith. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, first of all, Mark, thank you so very much. And I've uh, been glad for this opportunity. I kind of got three questions I'm asking quickly, but uh, the organization, what, what, what is the justification during these pandemic times to quote unquote price gouge 450% on the ticket prices? For example, there's a season ticket member who complained about their ticket going from $48 to $60. Now it's $260 for that same exact seat. Second, I know you all partner with uh, Hy-Vee. Has there been any discussion with them about why they don't have stores in the third and fifth district? And since you all reside in the fifth district, I know uh, both Patrick and Tyron have credited you with spearheading this voter registration drive. I'm more interested in specifics, not in generalities on this, but again, you all reside in the third district. I appreciate everything that you all are doing nationwide. Uh, however, as a voter, uh, as a resident, as a former committee man, someone who's ran local and national campaigns, what have you all done specifically uh, to this point, and who are the, some of the power brokers within the 3rd and 5th District that you've met with uh, regarding registered voters? Because I haven't seen anything personally. I've offered my services to help uh, register voters because I've done that before. And then finally, uh, within that, we have 70 days until Election Day. What can we expect from the organization and the team on election day that will help African-American voters in Kansas City in the 3rd and 5th District get out to the polls? Because it's not necessary in Overland Park, Olathe, Blue Springs, North Kansas City. So I'd like some specifics if you're able to give that. Okay. 
I might ask you to remind me of one of those questions in there. (laughs) That's fine. Um, Let me start with voter registration. Um, And I I probably disagree with you that it's not necessary in other other communities because- Well, there well, well, voter registration- I say by that, just suppression, suppression more or less. Voter registration and voter engagement, uh, I personally believe is very important. Um, And the people exercising the right to vote, I personally believe is very important. Um, to your question of what we're doing and how we're doing it, um, so I think Patrick, Tyron, others, um, really proud, I personally, and I know as an organization, we're really proud to be associated with those guys in, in their efforts. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that they, they've mentioned that we've had those discussions and I've been in those discussions. Um, we have some plans to do things in and around this election that are going to be focused on number one, awareness of the importance of voting. Number two, creating awareness of the ways people can register to vote, the ways people can engage, and doing that through the experts in that space. Rise to Vote, some of the league is working with, somebody we are actively working with today. They've met with us as an organization. They've met with our players. They're going to meet with our staff as well as our stadium staff to make sure that everybody's aware of the opportunities they have to register to vote and to vote. To your question on 3rd and 5th District, I think one of the most compelling things that we can do to address that directly is we've got a plan right now, which is not final, and I'll, I'll share with you all that we're committed to doing it, um, but it has some challenges. We want to make Arrowhead a polling location. We want to create an opportunity for people to come to Arrowhead and vote. And in addition to that, with the awareness, you're going to see a lot of things around the highest points of awareness for us as an organization that are going to be focused on voting and the awareness of voting and ways to vote. Um, one of the reasons that I personally, and I think this organization believes that that's a, that's a platform that we need to get behind is the beauty of the vote. You can have different opinions. You can vote for different people, but vote. And that's really what we're trying to engage in. To your question on hy V, um, we've had a lot of discussions about hy V and their expansion plans. I honestly don't have a specific answer for you on whether they've looked at those districts. Um, you know, we've been working for many years since I've gotten here with leaders in the city on the food desert issue and how do we create more opportunities to create healthy options within those communities. Um, and your first question was about, as you put it, price gouging. So um, let me just say this on, on that issue because I've seen some reports on it. Um, what we did in putting together our plan for how do we take a stadium from 76, 75, 76,000 seats down to 16,000 seats and equally and fairly distribute those tickets to our season ticket members. Um, As you can imagine, when you do the math, it's pretty quickly, you can't. Um, So what we did was we said all season ticket members will have the opportunity to move their tickets to 21. There'll be benefits and incentives to do that. We've locked in their pricing, flat pricing for next year. They have the opportunity to win free tickets to games. Um, There are a lot of different benefits that are in there. Our season ticket um, sales staff has done a great job on. And then we sat down and said, how do we make this fair and equitable in terms of the tickets we do have? Um, On the pricing issue, in May, when our schedule, right around May when our schedule was released, we announced our single game ticket pricing. In May, when we announced those prices, we were assuming we were going to have 76,000 people in the stadium, 
And those prices were based on a lot of very complicated algorithms and data that we use to understand the market and understand what the value of those tickets are in this market. Before we reduced to 16,000 seats, before we went through any of these changes, we set those prices. Those prices. We haven't changed those prices. They're exactly what they were. Those are single game prices and they're based on the value of those tickets in the marketplace. I know there's been a lot and we completely understand and expected the response because it is a significant jump. Number one, that's the value of having a season ticket member, having a season ticket plan. You have the benefit of those prices, those ticket prices being much below market value, but you're committed to the full season. The single game option gives you the option to pay a little more, in some cases a lot more, because you're buying one game. So you're not, you're not obligated to buy the full season. You're buying one game and you're paying what the market rate is. Now I defend market rate, and I think most of you who are in this, uh, or interested in this issue probably have already done the research. We're pretty good from a data standpoint, an algorithm standpoint, and our team of understanding what the ticket's really worth and being below that number. So even though, again, acknowledging that there's significant jumps, a person who buys a ticket to our Houston Texans game today at the price that we're selling it at can put that in the secondary market that minute and make more money, hundreds of dollars more based on their location. In some cases, you know, a $400 ticket is going for $1,000 on the secondary marketplace. So what we're trying to do is be fair, but represent the market. Let's go to Therese Paler. Go ahead, Therese. Hey, Mark, how you doing? Thank you for doing this. Sure. Um, you know, just kind of following up on the pricing model, how have sales been going for you guys? You know, I feel like I ask you that every year, but with these prices being above the norm, like how have sales been going? And one more thing, the passion of your fans, does it kind of, wherever it's at, does that kind of speak to that as well, the passion of your fans? Well, to answer your first part of the question of how sales have gone exactly as we expected. Um, and, you know, I, I get the opportunity to sit up here and say things like that, but it's really our sales team. Um, Tyler Kirby, Tyler Epp, the people who are in that department for us, they really know their business. Um, and when you look at what the projections were going to be, and as you can imagine, Therese, you and I have had enough discussions to know kind of how I'm wired on these things. So there's a pretty high expectation, a pretty high bar on exactly where we're going to be and how we're going to be, and our projections have to be right. We're exactly where we thought we were going to be. Um, the demand is, um, it's, in, it's an interesting way of doing it because we're doing it by tenure, going back to the point of fairness. We had to figure out a way to give every single one of our season ticket members an opportunity, but we've had longer tenured um, and shorter tenured season ticket members. So we've gone in, in waves and allowed the longest tenured season ticket members the opportunity to buy first then the next, and then the next. And we're probably, I won't have the exact, but we're probably only 30% through our sieges and ticket members. And the interesting part for me, at least, in looking at the data is you've got a lot of people, you know, longer tenured um, season ticket members. Again, it's a mix, but if you look at demographically, you could have some people who may be 
medically challenged, may have conditions, may be in our older demographic, and may be less likely to want to come to a game where they've got to go through all these protocols and do all these things. Um, we believe that as we get our projections show that as we get closer and to the newer tenured season ticket members, the percentage of people who buy within those pods are going to be much higher. Um, but we, we really set out our model, set out a goal, which is going to be tough to achieve, but we think we're going to get there, that every single season ticket member, whether you're a 50 year plus season ticket member, or whether you signed on with us next, last year for the first year, will have the opportunity to purchase tickets to games this year. When you're talking about 17,000 tickets, 16,000 tickets, it's, it's a tough math to figure out, but we feel like we're trending towards that. All right, guys, we've got time for a few more questions. Let's go with Sam Mellinger next. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, uh, Mark, thanks for doing this. I, uh, with the, the pricing, I just want to follow up on something. I, I know your focus is the health part of it, right, of you know getting the protocols in place and all that, but there has to be a financial part of this too. I'm just wondering, was there a sort of a standard that you guys had to hit on you know, making this worth it, for lack of a better term, you know, making sure that you, that you would have enough money to make this worth it. Yeah, I know that question has been out there nationally as well as locally. Um, the numbers don't pencil out. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't really make the numbers work when you're talking about that, that amount of tickets. Um, so this isn't about that. This is about creating an experience and continuing the experience at Arrowhead, giving our fans the opportunity to be there for some really special moments. Um, to some, it may sound a little bit um, contrived, but, uh, but honestly, we're raising a banner on September 10th, and we want our fans to be part of that. We're really struggling with the fact that only 16,000 are going to be able to be a part of that in, live and in person, but that's a, that's a lifelong memory, and it's going to be different. It's not going to be exactly what we wanted, um, but it is something that was really important to us as a franchise. And I will speak for the Hunt family on that. I mean, that was, that was a big driver on figure out a way to get our fans in safely. They need to be part of this. And, and that's been a big driver for us as a business. Let's go to Sam McDowell. Go ahead, Sam. Hey, Mark. Thanks for doing this. Um, just to take from, from your lead off thing about the fans, um, you mentioned that it's going to take compliance to make this work. What's sort of the process of enforceability for those that aren't being compliant in the stadium? Yeah, so we're going to continue to learn and continue to um, try to understand how we, how we can better enforce that. Um, as again, again, I'll, I'll cite that you'll see some new things this weekend with signage and with more staffing focused on that issue, specifically walking up and down the aisles, making sure they're, they're just reminding people um, to put their masks on. Uh, we don't want to be in a situation where we're, you know, evicting someone or arresting someone or anything like that. Um, but we think that we have enough systems, enough communication in place where we can enforce that it's to protect all of us. Um, and, you know, we can get into some science conversations about, you know, distance and volume. And, you know, one of the biggest things we have to our advantage is we're an outdoor stadium. Um, but we also have to listen to the experts and the experts are telling us that, yeah, you're an outdoor stadium, but you're not just sitting and eating dinner. You're standing and cheering and yelling and screaming. And those are all things that factor into the risks associated. And those risks are significantly decreased if you wear a mask. Um, so those are the kind of things we're going to be focused on. Close it out with Sarin Petro. Go ahead, Sarin. 
Uh, Mark, thank you for the time. Like, uh, like everyone said, we do appreciate you taking the time out today. I'm curious, just specifically, you touched a little bit on the subject of, you know, when the question was asked about the D, uh, Dallas uh, soccer team and kind of the reaction. I, I spoke with one reporter the other day who said that he has spoken with the Players Association and that they are definitely planning demonstrations, that they are coming. Uh, assuming that's the case, are you going to be working with them to be a part of that demonstration? We had Bill O'Brien uh, in Houston say he will be kneeling with his players. Are, are, are the Chiefs, coaching staff, the organization, Clark Hunt, working actively to be a part of the demonstration? Or is it simply going to be a, a case where you stand back and say, okay, whatever you guys want to do, do it? Yeah, I'd go back to um, some of the things we said when all of this started to become as big an issue as it's become. And it's definitely something that needs to be addressed. And it's definitely something that needs our attention. Um, you know, if you go back to what, end of May, beginning of June, um, you know, we as an organization, we sat and talked about this as an organization, players, coaches, football operations staff, our own executive staff. And we made a decision to shut our website down and, and just say right now, the important thing is to really one of our principles, unite our community. You know, unity is more important now than ever, and, and we need to continue to do that. And that's been our theme. You know, when the players video came out early on in this process, I was really proud to be part of the team that said, we've got we to support this. We've got to go out with a statement. We're the first statement. I believe we're the first team in the National Football League to respond to that video. And, and I'm most proud of the message we sent that night. And it was late at night, and it was Clark, myself, and a few others on a phone call just saying, the message we want people to hear and the message we want our players to hear is that we love and support them. And we're part of a family. Just like any family, there are passions on all sides. And what we've said is, in discussions that I've been in with our players, with Clark and with Coach and with Brett and with others, let's love each other, let's support each other, and let's respect each other. And that's really what we're going to continue to do. We, we're going to meet and have more discussions about this. Um, and you'll be hearing more from us as we go. Um, but that's, that's really the, the, the approach that we take to issues like this. Mark, we appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Hope to see you guys soon.